In other news, the Central Bank of Nigeria is set to launch the pilot scheme of its digital currency on October 1st, 2021. Ahead of the launch of the Central Bank of Nigeria's digital currency, the official website for the e-Naira went live at the weekend and recorded over a million hits in the space of 24 hours. Well, now the Central Bank says the e-Naira will operate as a wallet against which consumers or customers can hold existing funds in their bank accounts. But what will this uh, digital currency mean to Nigeria? From Triple E Media, I'm Ramat Mohammed, and this is The Backstory. You just heard about the Enera. That's Nigeria's digital currency. It was set to launch on October 1st, 2021. Now, October 1st has come and gone, and still no Enera. Nigeria has delayed the launch of its Enera digital currency, initially planned for Friday, because of the country's independence. But even with the delay, the Central Bank of Nigeria has said it is still committed to launching the digital currency. So while we wait, we went to a same market to find out if people know what the Enera is all about. Have you heard of the Enera, sir? Yes, of course. I heard about it. Enera, yes. That it started working on the 1st of October 2021. Okay. What do you understand by the Enera? Well, the way I understand Enera is a, is a money, a internet money, or internet by banking, this and that. You can be using it for internet. It's anything you are buying, you buy through internet. That's what I understand by Enera. It's just something I didn't even know about. It. He just, he just told me now, so I have to like think about it. Can I join your? It's not something that I can just join just like that. I don't know much about it, the full details of it. Uh, what are the charges, the benefits to the to the operator and the benefit to the uh, person that's uh, using it, the businessman? What we want to, we need a, we need a security on the application because uh, there is hacker. But if there is no hacker, Inera is very, it is a very good option. Uh, everybody can go for it. I really interested in it. I'll give it a try because uh, there are many payment platforms that are in existence. Whichever one that is more convenient for my business, I'll adopt it. That's why I say I'll give it a try. If it is more convenient to my business, I'll adopt it. Based on what we heard, it's clear that only a few of us know what the Enera is. So in this episode, Richard and Antonietta will cover what we know about the Enera, why our government has decided to implement it, and what it's going to mean for our economy. But first, what is digital currency? Well, we all know what currency is, right? It's money. Naira, dollars, pounds, euro... We count it, we hold it, and we store it in banks. Digital currency is the same thing, except we don't physically hold it. It only exists in electronic form. Now, doing our research, we came across this video that the CBN posted on the inera.com website. And the video is a minute long, and it sounds like a commercial for the inera. So is the inera. The inera is a legal tender issued by the Central Bank of Nigeria. So let's embrace it. Okay, but today we use POS, which is a form of electronic payment, and we also use bank transfers, another form of electronic payment. 
That's right. In fact, according to the central bank, in the first three quarters of 2020, we made over 5 billion electronic payments worth over 780 trillion naira. So aren't we already using digital currency? No. Even though we're making a large amount of payments electronically, the currency behind those payments is still paper. It's not digital. Now, I want you to think of it like this. We made over 780 trillion naira in electronic payments in 2020. And in our current cash-based system, in theory, we should be able to actually withdraw all that money from the banks in the form of banknotes, that is, actual paper cash. Now, in practice, we actually can't withdraw all that money in cash because there is only about 2.8 trillion naira in circulation today. Hmm, so if we all go to the banks at the same time to try to withdraw money, we would actually only get about 2.8 trillion naira. That means most of our money exists really in electronic form. Exactly. And digital currency will remove all paper. We won't see banknotes anymore. So in the future, when we make electronic payments, the currency behind those payments will only exist in digital form. No more paper notes. That means we can't hide stacks of money behind our walls anymore. Nope, we can't. And we can't tell the EFCC that a snake swallowed the money. No. All of those shenanigans will come to an end. In the future, the only way to store and use money will be in digital form. Okay. So what do we need to do to be able to use this Enera? So first of all, you need two things. One, you need a smartphone. And two, you need to have data to access the internet. And with that, you can go to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store to download the Enera app when it becomes available. Now, according to the central bank director, Musa Jimo, who spoke to Channels Television, once you download the app, you'll get instructions. Very simple instruction that you go through in connecting to your bank to register or create an e-wallet for you. And so once the e-wallet is your created, bank will go through the identification and verification process to create that e-wallet for you. Hang on, you just mentioned a bank and he did too. Does that mean that you need a bank account to have this e-wallet? Well, there are different tiers of users and some will need a bank account while others will not. We'll come back to that a bit later. Okay, but what if I have multiple bank accounts? Do I have one e-wallet for all the accounts or do I need to have different e-wallets for each account? We are not 100% sure what happens in that case. Our guess is that you will still have one e-wallet and then the banks will link all that one. All right, let's say I have this app and I have my e-wallet, then what? Then you need to put money into it. And the way you do that is you transfer money from your bank account to the e-wallet. And that's it. You're ready to spend. Okay, great. I have an e-wallet. It's got 10,000 e-nera in it. And I'm going to go to shop, right? What happens then? Well, again, we are not 100% sure how it will work in Nigeria. But we will take a guess based on what other countries are doing. You can go to ShopRite and you collect everything you need into your basket. You go to the cashier and you scan your items just like normal. But instead of POS or cash, you pull out your smartphone, you open the e-wallet and the cashier will have a scanner that he or she will use to scan your e-wallet. The digital money then moves from your e-wallet to ShopRite's e-wallet and that's it. You collect your receipts and you leave. Okay, but what if I'm at the cashier and I've run out of data or my phone has run out of charge? Yeah, we're not so sure what's supposed to happen in those cases. Obviously, the e-wallet may not work without data and definitely won't work without charge. 
So there has to be an alternative to allow you still make your purchase. And that's probably why this implementation was delayed, you know, to allow CBN to work out all these issues. Okay. What if I lose my phone or I get a new phone or I want to use another person's phone to access my e-wallet? Well, again, we're not exactly sure what will happen. But our guess based on how the bank apps work today is that your e-wallet will only work on the phone that you registered it on. So if you lose your phone or get a new one, you may have to register all over again. What if I go to a merchant and they don't accept any kind of electronic payments? They only want to deal with cash. How do I get cash to pay them? In that case, you transfer the 10,000 Naira out of your e-wallet back into your bank account and you go to a bank ATM or to a POS agent like you do today and you withdraw the cash. You can also deposit money into your e-wallet through a POS agent. Guys, how much am I paying in charges for all these transfers? I'm transferring from the bank to the e-wallet, from the e-wallet to the bank, from the e-wallet to the merchant. What are the fees? Well, again, we don't know for sure. For now, CBN has not said anything about fees, but nothing in life is free. So at some point, there will be fees. It's just that we don't know if it's going to be less, the same or more than what we pay now. Okay, that's all fine and good if I have a bank account. What if I don't have one? The CBN hasn't really confirmed this on its website, but Inotech Cabal has reported that the CBN has released some guidelines. And according to the guidelines, there will be three tiers of users. Tier 1 is for people who don't have a bank account. They can sign up for the e-NERA using just their BVN, but they are limited to having a fixed amount of 300,000 NERA maximum, and they can only transfer 50,000 NERA daily. Now, according to CBN, as of 2020, 37% of our population is unbanked. That's about 60 million people without bank accounts. For the other users, tiers 2 and 3, the e-wallet will need to be integrated into an existing bank account. Those tiers have higher deposit and transfer amounts. Mm, okay. Where can people go in order to find out all this information about the Inera? There is a website, inera.com. It's a CBN website, and there's a community page where members of the public are free to post questions and responses. We spent some time reviewing the site, and people have a lot of questions. Questions like, what are the security measures to avoid scam and scammers from hacking this app or making a duplicate of it? We don't really know the type of security measures CBN is taking. What is the exchange rate between e-NERA and the physical NERA? We know the answer to that one. The rate is one-to-one. -one. That is, one NERA would be equivalent to one e-NERA. People also asked, can I transfer my e-NERA to a foreign account? We don't know. Some people ask, can e-NERA be swapped? Like, can it be exchanged for other currencies like Bitcoin? We don't know the answer to that. Another question is, if the Inera account is hacked or mistakenly tampered with by unknown persons, is there any way it can be retrieved or is there an identification process? We don't know the answer to that one. Another question. If the Inera is hacked, can we be assured that we can still access our money? Again, we're not 100% sure, but we do know that Inera is backed by the CBN, just like currency in the banks today is backed by CBN. So if something happens to a bank today, CBN ensures you can still access your money. We believe this will still be the case with Inera. It does sound like CBN still has a lot of work to do to answer all these questions and to educate people on Inera before they can even launch it. And maybe one of the most important questions that they need to ask is why? Why do we even need to switch to Inera? 
According to the CBN director, Jimo, during the Channels TV interview, there are certain benefits to using the in-era. Cost. Number one advantage is about cost. Second one is about security. And the third one is about diversification. Uh, uh, let me start from, you know... CBN reported that they spent 49.5 billion naira to print currency in the year 2018. That's the equivalent of over $100 million just to print currency. Now, since the Inera is digital, there is no printing cost. So in theory, the fees we need to pay for banking will go down. Mm, you say in theory. Why in theory? Well, because in practice, the Inera will also cost money. There's this common misconception that because something is digital or it's on the internet, that means it's free. That's not true. There is the cost to maintain the service that will hold all the data on transactions. There's the cost to maintain backup servers in different locations in case one server goes down. There is the cost to ensure security on the servers to prevent cyber hacks. There's also the cost to audit the record periodically to ensure that the systems are working the way they are supposed to work. We don't know for sure how much the Inera is going to cost to launch and maintain, but we are thinking it will be much less than the $100 million we spend today to print and to maintain paper currency. At least a tenfold or maybe a hundredfold reduction in cost. The other benefit that the CBN director mentioned is improved efficiency. As you know, when we try to do transfers or use the POS today, we're limited by the strength of the telecommunications network. So if the network is weak, transactions can fail, or they can take a long time, minutes, sometimes hours, before we can see the transaction. But according to the CBN director... This is going to run on a technology that it's almost 99.99% available. Uh, because uh, it, it, the technology will run... On but we're still not sure how Inera is going to fix the issues we have with the telecommunications network. It seems like with the in-era, we'll no longer have the issue of transfers just hanging in the air. The in-era transactions will either pass or fail. There will be no in-between. But as long as the apps need the network in order to operate, then the limit to efficiency is still going to be determined by the strength of the network. Another benefit that the director mentioned was diversification. And by that, he meant economic diversification. So basically, the Inera would allow the government to increase tax collection. Well, um, it's just basically about bringing about transparency, making sure that you know everything is um, is very transparent. Transactions are seen. You know, I, I would imagine that the institution responsible for tax collection, it's it will be happy to hear this because basically you you would, um, you have a hundred percent access, you know, to see the data that is. This issue of the government seeing every transaction we make is probably something that will make some people very, very nervous. Right now, in order for the government to see your transactions and your bank account information, they would have to make a request to the banks. And the request would need to be accompanied by a court order. That's because right now, your bank is holding the information and they have a contract with you, your customer. In the case of Inera, the bank becomes the government. So the government has the information and in theory, they can view it anytime they want. We reached out to Barista Damilola Odumoshu. Uh, my name is Damilola Odumoshu. And he is the managing partner at Lounsdale Salusitos, based in Lagos. I am also the head of the technology and intellectual property units of the firm. I have been practicing law as well as uh, technology law and intellectual property since 2016. 
He agrees that the in-era will make it easier for the government to collect taxes. Um, what I know about payment of taxes is that you have to remit your financial records to the tax authorities to determine what exactly you pay in taxes. But it's quite different here when digital currency is concerned because it is visible to them. They can see what you earn. They can also see how you spend your money. So the fact that it is in an electronic form on the digital platform makes it easier for the tax authorities to ensure that taxes are paid, the proper taxes are paid. Hmm. Wait, but then how do you balance that with privacy laws? How much information is too much for the government to have? Right. So we asked him that very question. And he agrees that there needs to be some kind of guideline that is a check and balance to the government's access to this information. Okay, uh, well, that is a fundamental question. Uh, for instance, in Nigeria, we have the data protection, uh, Nigeria data protection regulation. So in order to balance it, there needs to be a sort of uh, a guideline. One, taxpayers should be given the opportunity to present their tax records. Now, in the event that there is a falsification of financial records, that falsification can give a justification for the tax authorities to go into the record of the taxpayer. So that should be a ground up for uh, a ground upon which a, uh, the authorities can verify the tax, uh, the, the financial records of a particular individual who they may, in their estimation, feel that has not provided a genuine record of their finances. So save except from that, uh, the tax authorities may also require a court order in order to you know, check the records of a taxpayer who they feel has, has not provided in a sufficient amount of information as regards to their tax uh, financial records. So that, for me, is a way to balance maintaining privacy and also ensuring that the proper taxes are paid. So basically what he's saying is that even though the government will have data readily available to them, they would still need to go through a legal process to access that data. They would still have to first ask you to provide the records and only then can they assess the data in order to verify. How certain are we that the government is going to do that? That the government will follow the rule of law and give citizens the benefit of the doubt? We asked him that too. For me, I just feel it's a way to respect the privacy rights of citizens. Yes, we know that as the government authorities, you have the data with you. But, you know, respect your citizen. Give them the benefit of doubt that they will provide the proper records which you have. So provide the records, let's see. It's just a way of saying, uh, hear the other side. You already know what happened. You've seen it in video evidence, but still hear what the other side have to say, you know. It's left to be seen if our government, both 
current and future, will actually respect data privacy when it comes to the in-era. Our journalists and civil society organizations will need to monitor them very, very closely. So there will be some resistance to the in-era on the basis of privacy. But according to Barista Damilola, resistance may also come from other players. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I could remember from history when we had uh, the Industrial Revolution, there are certain people who are known as Luddites. They were just against anything machinery. Uh, we could see the same thing play here, play out here. Those for me who would push against it, uh, one number one, those whose interests, business interests to be affected, could be corporations, could even be financial institutions. Then it's then the second category of persons would be those who do not have anything to do with technology. They don't even like the word technology, maybe because of their previous experience through theft or what have you. Then the, the third arm or the third category of persons I would say would push against this in era would be, let's say, uh, can I say politicians, especially those with business interests, especially, uh, you know, we cannot shy away from the fact that yes, politicians have businesses. And if the E-Naira would not provide good value to their businesses, they will most likely push against it. It's human nature. And with resistance, there are bound to be lawsuits. We asked the barrister what lawsuits he anticipates after the E-Naira is launched. Okay, uh, I think about a few days ago, the central bank introduced a regulatory guideline on the use of Inaira. Uh, for me, yes, it's a guideline and it has a force of law. I would still prefer if we have a specific regulation, either by the central bank or as an act of the National Assembly, because the, the guideline is limited. I've seen it. It talks about the uh, digital currency management system. Uh, there's a dispute resolution there. You know, if you have any complaints direct to the customer case, uh, you know, agents. But we need more. For instance, what happened in the event of breach of privacy? Would, would uh, arbitration solve that issue. Then secondly, what happens or which court will I go to to complain of any grievance on, a, on the central bank's uh, digital currency platform? So these are some of the issues that the central bank really needs to sit down and look at to come up with an holistic regulation or legislation for the and then another thing which I which is you know also which also came to my mind is this in the event of a cross-border transaction, a transaction which emanated from Nigeria and uh, to be, you know, let's say there's a trade relation between a Nigerian merchant and a Chinese merchant, but monies were to be exchanged using the e-Naira. A digital currency platform, and there's a dispute. Would the Nigerian court have jurisdiction in a cross-border 
payment issue or would the Chinese court have jurisdiction or arbitration is all that is required by the parties. These are not addressed by the guidelines. So we need more. We need either regulation considering all these issues or a broad legislation by the National Assembly. That last point, the one he made about trade with other countries like China, I didn't even think about that. The ENERA is going to allow for easier cross-border transactions. So what does that mean for our economy? According to a report by The Cable, the CBN Director of Information Technology said that this ENERA should increase cross-border trade. But the critical question we have is, cross-border trade with which countries? I am generally optimistic about the move to Enera, our digital currency. I'm fairly certain that we will work out the technical issues, though it might take some time. I'm confident that we'll figure out the policies around data privacy after some legal battles. What I'm worried about is what the Enera is going to mean for cross-border trade. In 2019, Nigeria's main import trading partner was China. China accounted for nearly 30% of imports in 2019. That's about one third. And we imported everything from them. Machinery, textiles, you name it, we imported it. Our main export partner in that time was India. About 16, 1-6% of what we exported in 2019 went to India. It was mostly crude oil. Now, China is leading the way globally in this move to digital currency. So if they move to digital currency, and if we move to digital currency, and digital is going to make cross-border transactions easier, then it's not rocket science. We are going to see more imports from China. Which then makes me wonder, What's going to happen to all the investments that we've been making to increase our exports? The only way that this digital currency is going to help our macro economy is if we use it to build our partnerships for export. Basically, this is going to mean that we need other African countries, especially our Francophone neighbors, to adopt digital currency. Are they ready to do that? For this episode, we relied on several sources, including enera.com and the website for the Central Bank of Nigeria. We'll include links to these sources in our episode notes. And a special thank you to Barrister Damilola Odumoshu for your contributions to this discussion. The Backstory is brought to you by Triple E Media Productions, Production Copyright 2021 Triple E Media Productions. If you enjoyed this episode of The Backstory and want to hear more, subscribe to our 234 Audio YouTube channel. Episodes of this podcast and our other podcasts can also be found on our website, 234audio.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Backstory was produced by Antonieta Kalunta, Richard Anyabe, Dominic Tabakaji and Sam Tabakaji. Executive Producer Ramat Muhammad. 
Special thanks to Usman Ibrahim and Mala Iwa Bagduo Ikaleku. If you are interested in sponsoring this program, reach out to us at 0818-230-1234 or email us at info at 234audio.com. I'm Ramat Mohammed. See you next week.